48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The government suspends kindergartens and daycare centres for two weeks amid a surge in respiratory infections. Hong Kong reports 23 new COVID-19 infections, including six mystery cases. And the Pandemocrats have all formally resigned from the Legislative Council. The government has ordered a two-week suspension of face-to-face teaching at all kindergartens and daycare centres from Saturday because of outbreaks of upper respiratory tract infections. Timmy Sung has details. Health Secretary Sophia Chen says Hong Kong has recently seen around 170 upper respiratory tract infection outbreaks involving some 1,900 people. 60% of the outbreaks involve kindergartens and daycare centres. Young children that attend the uh, kindergarten and also these care centres are uh, very small, first of all. Uh, secondly, in spite of all the uh, measures that we have put in place, uh, the school and also personal uh, hygiene, mask wearing, etc., uh, etc., et and yet we notice uh, these outbreak reports. So uh, we think it is uh, very worrying. Professor Chen says closures could be extended if the situation doesn't improve. Officials also say they are monitoring the situation in primary schools, but say any outbreaks will be easier to manage because they would likely be confined to an individual class rather than the whole school. A secondary school for girls is also suspending in-person classes for a fortnight after authorities confirmed that one of its intern teachers has come down with the coronavirus. Sample bottles will be distributed to all students for voluntary tests. Health officials confirmed seven new local COVID-19 cases today, including six with no known source of infection. Of these, five are drivers, including four cabbies and a rehab bus driver. Dr. Chuang Shukwan of the Centre for Health Protection says the situation is worrying. In these two days, we recorded an increasing number of local acquired cases who are sporadic infections, not clustered to one another. I mean, they do not have an epidemiological link with known cases. So this is a bit worrying because these cases, including those drivers who stayed in various districts in Hong Kong. So we could not find a definite link uh, among them. So this indicates there are quite some community transmission in the community. The authorities have also confirmed 16 new imported cases. Microbiologist Dr Siddharth Sridhar notes that this isn't the first time Hong Kong has seen an uptick in local cases involving taxi drivers. There certainly is a sense of deja vu. I mean, before the start of the third wave in Hong Kong, we did see a lot of cases among uh, cab uh, taxi drivers. So that is something that we're starting to see again because taxi drivers come in contact with a lot of people in a very closed uh, environment, right, the taxi interior itself. So they, they definitely are a vulnerable group. So as far as that goes, there is a parallel to what we were seeing before the third wave. Hopefully we are better prepared this time and we, we can take a more proactive stance to it to prevent it uh, bursting into a big outbreak like last time. All the remaining pan-Democrats in LegCo have formally submitted their resignations in protest against Beijing's move to disqualify four of their colleagues yesterday. The council front's Claudia Mo carried a yellow umbrella, the symbol of the 2014 Occupy protests, as she took her letter to the LegCo secretariat. She said she was sad, but also relieved. Relieved in the sense that uh, this council uh, at the moment is very, very painful 
uh, to deal with because it's so full of uh, fake speeches and uh, it's so full of fake sincerity. The pro-Beijing types will just uh, pass anything the government wants to pass. We are quitting the legislature only at this juncture. We're not quitting Hong Kong's democracy fight. LegCo President Andrew Leung says the mass resignations are unfortunate but won't impede the functions of the legislature. I respect individual uh, members' decision. Obviously, I think as long as we have a quorum and as long as the remaining members following the basic law, Article 73, to perform their duties, I'm sure that we can you know, uh, work out uh, as normal. DAB Vice Chairman Holden Chow says the pandems are irresponsible for resigning. They try to use their resignation en masse to protest against the decision by the Standing Committee of MPC or even try to demonize the MPC decision. That, I believe, is wrong. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just after five minutes past 11. The Vice Chairwoman of the Basic Law Committee, Maria Tan, says the four pan-democratic lawmakers ousted by the MPC Standing Committee are free to take their cases to the courts. But they won't win, she says, because MPCSC decisions are not challengeable. Maggie Ho reports. Despite losing their LegCo seats, Alvin Young, Dennis Kwok, Kwok Kaki and Kenneth Leung have not been stripped of their legal rights, says Maria Tam. She says they are free to file election petitions or judicial reviews over the disqualifications. But she says the chances of them being able to convince a court to overturn the disqualifications are slim because NPC Standing Committee decisions are not challengeable. They can file a judicial review against the chief executive, but they cannot do this against the decision or the NPCSC. If they JR the CE, she will say she was following the NPC decision. I believe the CE will likely win. Meanwhile, the sole Hong Kong deputy on the committee, Tam Yu Chung, has sought to explain why a decision on the four lawmakers wasn't made when Beijing extended Lechko's term by at least 12 months. He says the NPCSC has so much on its agenda that the timing for the decision just didn't match. The British government has summoned the Chinese ambassador to express its concern about the disqualification of the lawmakers. The British Foreign Secretary said the new rules were a clear breach of the legally binding Sino-British Joint Declaration. His deputy told Parliament that sanctions were being considered. Tom Tugendhat is a member of Parliament and chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee. He says more pressure should be put on Beijing. I don't see quite as tough as I'd I'd like to. I think what we're beginning to see is an appropriate reaction, but I still think that there are areas we should be looking at, including uh, with our international partners. The World Trade Organization, for example, uh, has up until recently recognised Hong Kong as a separate customs entity to China, and this is clearly no longer the case as China is exerting entire authority, almost entire authority over Hong Kong, and I think we should look again at that. The European Union, meanwhile, has called on Beijing to reinstate the lawmakers, calling their dismissal arbitrary. The government has struck off a primary school teacher over what it says were serious mistakes, peculiar learning materials and baseless ideas. Candice Wong reports. 
The Education Bureau says the teacher had made up historical facts for a primary two general studies class. It said he had taught students that the opium wars were waged against the Qing dynasty by Britain and France to remove opium from China. And he had suggested that paper was invented in ancient China to stop people from writing on tortoise shells or bones to prevent their extinction. Officials say these claims were made in factually incorrect and peculiar voiceovers the teacher did for videos prepared in April for students to watch at home when classes were suspended over the coronavirus outbreak. It added that the teacher lacked both common sense and basic knowledge and had casually added personal speculation into the learning material conveying totally baseless concepts. The vice president of the Professional Teachers Union, Ip Kin Yun, has been helping the teacher and they are planning to appeal the government decision. Mr. Ip says officials went way too far. I think it's ridiculous. I think we cannot imagine if you made a few mistake, minor mis- mistake. Of course, I think well, some of the mistake may reflect the history knowledge is too shallow. I think the teacher would admit that. But on the whole, I think the teacher has not made very big mistake and it is not out of ill intention. So I think about this punishment is far too serious. But pro-government legislator Priscilla Leung says the case shows just how bad some teachers are. She thinks the government made the right decision and it should handle future complaints against teachers more quickly. Two failed asylum seekers who are married to Hong Kong residents have lost a bid to take their fight for dependent visas to the Court of Final Appeal. Timmy Song reports. The man from Liberia and Bangladesh, who referred to only as H&AH in court, both married Hong Kong permanent residents after their refugee or torture claims were rejected by SCR authorities. Their applications for dependent visas to enable them to stay in Hong Kong with their wives were later turned down. AH has served a prison term for using a fake passport and lying to an immigration assistant when seeking to enter Hong Kong. Both men have also overstayed in the city. Their lawyers have hoped to argue that only crimes of a serious nature need to be considered by the immigration director when awarding visas. However, in a judgment, the court said there is no suggestion that government policy limits the types of adverse records that the immigration chief can take into account. The three-judge panel, including Chief Justice Jeffrey Ma, also said there is no presumption that the policy favours family reunions. The Law Reform Commission has recommended penalties for a range of new or redefined sexual offences, such as grooming, voyeurism and upskirt photography. A three-month public consultation exercise starts today. Here's Peter Duncan, the chairman of the Commission's Review of Sexual Offences subcommittee. With regard to the um, new offences, uh, we've been guided very much by uh, the provisions for overseas. But the nature of the subcommittee is that being Hong Kong persons, we, we feel we have an appreciation for local conditions as well. So it's not just a matter of picking up what is overseas and applying it, it's taking those into consideration and also considering the local situation, uh, also taking into account the sorts of sentences that we're recommending for those offences which already exist. So it's a combination of those factors. 
Typhoon Vamco has caused extensive damage in the Philippines, flooding many areas of the largest and most populated island, Luzon. The BBC's Howard Johnson reports. Today, Typhoon Vamco barreled across Luzon, flooding streets, overturning vehicles and uprooting trees. In the mountainous Rizal province, rivers burst their banks, flooding urban areas. Pictures posted on social media showed families clambering onto the roofs of their homes to avoid the rising water. In the Philippine capital, Metro Manila, thousands have moved to evacuation centers as the authorities warn of dangerous flooding. The International Federation of Red Cross have renewed an emergency appeal to raise funds to support those affected by the typhoon. The Ethiopian government has urged Tigrayan forces to surrender as federal troops battle to take control of the region. The fighting, which began over a week ago, is reported to have killed hundreds of combatants on both sides. Here's the BBC's Will Ross. Ethiopia's federal government is sounding confident. The defence minister, Kanea Yadeta, said it wouldn't be long before the leaders in Tigray from the TPLF party were on trial. He talked of appointing an interim administration in areas taken by federal troops. But with all telecommunications switched off, it's hard to verify what's been happening since the fighting began over a week ago. Both sides have been speaking of success and are also accusing the other of committing atrocities. What's clear is civilians are suffering. A slowdown in the transmission of the coronavirus has been reported in some European countries as renewed restrictions start to show results. Officials in the Czech Republic estimate the reproduction number in the country has fallen below one. The head of Germany's lead agency, Lothar Wieler, said there were signs that the surge in infections there may be easing too. What makes me cautiously optimistic is the fact that the number of cases has been increasing a little less strongly in recent days. The curve is rising a little less steeply, is flattening. We do not yet know whether this is a stable development. We will see. But it shows that we are not at the mercy of this virus. Even if the number of cases is very high at the moment, we can slow down this surge. A 30-year-old nurse has appeared in court by video link accused of murdering eight babies in her care. Lucy Letby was arrested for a third time on Tuesday as part of a three-year investigation into unexplained deaths at a hospital in northwest England. The BBC's Judith Morris reports. Lucy Letby only spoke to confirm her name, date of birth and address. She was not asked to enter police. She's accused of murdering five baby boys who were named as Kemlin Bennett, Joseph Johnson, Barney G., Joseph Gelder and Eli Gelder and three girls named as Elsie McNall, Daisy Parkin and Maddie Freed. She's also accused of the attempted murder of Maddie Freed and of another nine babies whose identities may not be reported. The murders and attempted murders are alleged to have happened at the Countess of Chester Hospital between June 2015 and June 2016. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The government suspends kindergartens and daycare centres for two weeks amid a surge in respiratory infections. Hong Kong reports 23 new COVID-19 infections, including six mystery cases, and the Pandemocrats have all formally resigned from the Legislative Council. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. The government has ordered a two-week suspension of face-to-face -face teaching at all kindergartens and daycare centres from Saturday because of a surge of outbreaks of upper respiratory tract infections. The government says almost 2,000 children have fallen ill in outbreaks across the city. 
Dr Siddharth Sridhar, an assistant professor with the University of Hong Kong's Department of Microbiology, says usually these outbreaks aren't cause for concern. Things are different during a pandemic. He spoke to RTHK's Ben Che. Actually, this is something that happens uh, all the time, except that now, after the COVID era, we're really focusing on these outbreaks of upper respiratory tract infection, and there's a lot of public concern over them. But, uh, I mean, uh, in the pre-COVID era, this is actually a very regular occurrence of common co- outbreaks of common cold and uh, mild viral infections in uh, kindergartens. So um, it, it, it is now coming into focus because of COVID-19 and obviously the difficulty that schools face in differentiating which child has COVID-19 versus a more innocuous virus. So it's getting very uh, difficult for them to handle these kind of cases on the spot. So that would probably explain the government's decision to go ahead with the kindergarten closure. But uh, I would uh, urge the public not to panic because these kind of outbreaks of common cold or respiratory tract infections have been with us since time immemorial. Now, uh, as you have mentioned, uh, this this is something that has, that's actually quite common. Some parents online have suggested that this suspension is actually a bit of an overreaction. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I understand the frustration of parents who suddenly have to arrange, uh, you know, working from home or uh, make arrangements for taking care of kids while they're on this break. Uh, But on the other hand, I also understand the government's position because it becomes very difficult from an operational point of view Mm. on differentiating COVID-19 from these other respiratory viruses. So they want to suppress these uh, viral outbreaks as much as possible. But uh, honestly, I mean, we have to think of a longer-term solution because these kind of uh, outbreaks of common cold viruses are going to happen all the time. And we... And closing down schools every time this happens is not a sustainable strategy. So, uh, I mean, ways to beef up the infection control measures in kindergartens will have to be examined and, uh, you know, better solutions will have to be explored. Dr. Sridhar also says an uptick in the number of local COVID-19 cases is worrying. Of seven new locally transmitted cases confirmed today, the source of infection could not be found for six. And among those mystery cases, four are taxi drivers. Dr. Sridhar says this isn't a good sign. There certainly is a sense of deja vu. I mean, before the start of the third wave in Hong Kong, we did see a lot of cases among uh, cab uh, taxi drivers. So that is something that we're starting to see again because taxi drivers come in contact with a lot of people in a very closed uh, environment, right? The taxi interior itself. So they they definitely are a vulnerable group. So as far as that goes, there is a parallel to what we were seeing before the third wave. Hopefully we are better prepared this time and we we can take a more proactive stance to it to prevent it uh, bursting into a big outbreak like last time. And what are some of these proactive uh, measures that can that we can take? So uh, once we see that taxi drivers are getting infected, we also have to look at other vulnerable groups like restaurant workers or bar workers that were infected last time and consider increasing symptomatic surveillance as well as targeted mass testing in uh, among these individuals. Members of the public should not let their guard down. In addition to wearing masks, they should also take advantage of the nice weather and spend more time on outdoor activities, you know, rather than concentrating in crowded indoor areas, which uh, personally I've seen a lot of in the last uh, few weeks or so. So, uh, I mean, we have to remain alert. We have to take a proactive stance uh, and uh, perhaps implement stricter measures before it really balloons into 100 cases per day, which can happen very, very quickly. Dr. Siddharth Sridhar there speaking with RTHK's Ben Che. 
All of LegCo's pan-Democrats have resigned from the council in protest at Beijing's move to disqualify four of their colleagues. They delivered their resignation letters throughout the day, though most specified that their resignations would take effect at the start of next month. The mass departure comes after the nation's top legislative body issued a resolution saying four legislators who had previously been barred from running for re-election should be disqualified immediately. Legal expert Professor Simon Young from the University of Hong Kong says the MPCSC decision effectively sidelined local courts and has put te- the territory in a bit of a constitutional crisis. He spoke on RTHK's Backchat program. For common law eyes, uh, it's uh, quite uh, extraordinary in that uh, it is a, a decision uh, which is purported to be made under legislative power that is directed at specific individuals. Uh, under our common law system, legislative power is not uh, usually uh, uh, used in this way. Laws are made for the general public, but this decision obviously is directed at uh, four individuals. Uh, and uh, that's something that we haven't seen with these uh, standing uh, committee decisions before. They've always in the past been general. So this is somewhat of a new development uh, and obviously driven by the necessities in the situation because the Hong Kong government wasn't able to deal with what appears to be a dysfunction in the legislature. Uh, they've had to call upon uh, higher authority uh, to do this, and, and uh, hence uh, we're in a bit of a constitutional crisis again, because every time the standing committee uh, power is invoked, uh, there's always a concern that uh, it's violating separation of powers, because it seems like they're uh, making new law, uh, and uh, that should we have uh, existing procedures under the basic law for the standing committee to make new law. Of course, we saw that with the national security law, but it doesn't seem to be following that procedure. And of course, we have courts to interpret uh, the meaning of upholding the basic law and uh, pledging pledging allegiance. Um, Yet, uh, it seems to have been taken away from the courts uh, uh, in making this uh, decision. The third typhoon to hit the Philippines in as many weeks has caused major flooding in Manila, trapping people on rooftops and claiming at least two lives in another part of the country. Typhoon Vamco packed winds of up to 155 kilometres per hour as it swept across the island of Luzon after making landfall overnight. Anna Marie Evans asked our Manila correspondent Alan Robles what conditions were like there. Well, right now, uh, Manila is still reeling from the shock. Now, the thing is this that I think I should point out. Slightly over a week ago, Manila was warned it was about to be hit by a super typhoon. That was Goni, or Rolly, as it was called here. That fizzled out, and people breathed a sigh of collective relief. What they didn't know was that there were two more typhoons following, and the second one, Vamco, or Ulysses, as we call it, was what slammed into Manila early today. And it's the 21st typhoon to hit the country. It plastered central Luzon, which is the economic heart of the Philippines. So we've been seeing the full typhoon experience. The typhoon has since exited, but last night we had uh, no electricity, howling winds, battered windows. But what Ulysses brought was a lot of rain, a tremendous amount of rain and water that uh, recalled the, uh, a similar typhoon about 11 years ago. We called it Ondoy, which really flooded Manila and killed people through drowning. Now, in terms of, I mean, I've heard that there's just going to be a fundraising drive. I mean, what's the, what's the emergency response so far? All right. Now, the, people are saying that the government didn't give enough warning. So government is being defensive about it. 
one agency had said that government had issued warnings, but it was residents, apparently, the people who hadn't been paying attention. So that didn't go down well with the public on social media. And then today, people started tweeting the Tagalog hashtag, where's the president? Within a few hours of that uh, spreading, uh, President Duterte emerged from his palace and he took a helicopter trip over the flooded areas to inspect, which is pretty much what he does every time there's a disaster. Uh, an, uh, what, an environment undersecretary showed a particular lack of sensitivity when he announced that during the typhoon that he had rushed to an area of Manila to see something dear to his heart. This is a project to dump sand on the shores of Manila Bay to create a fake beach. He assured people that the beach was fine despite the typhoon. So mm. that didn't go down well mm. with the public either. So people are now clamoring for help and they're on the roofs of their houses. And we're seeing sites there like uh, uh, grandmothers, 81-year-old people, either out in the streets because their homes have been flooded out or they're in the roofs of their houses waiting for rescue. This summer, Russian politicians declared victory over the coronavirus, but the infection rate is surging again, and now it's the poorer provinces that are being hit the hardest. Whilst wealthy, well-resourced Moscow is opening vast temporary hospitals and says it can manage even without a new lockdown, a thousand kilometres to the north, they're running out of beds and ambulance crews are struggling to cope with the number of calls. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford reports from the town of Kotlas. Tell them to stop calling for ambulances, this Russian paramedic pleads. She says there's no one left to respond. As the woman talks, she's pulling on a protective suit and shoe covers. Her team have just picked up one patient with COVID and they've already been called out to another. <laughs> Sergei tells me a third of the workers at this crumbling provincial station have fallen sick themselves. That's piling even more pressure on the rest. Kotlas is 20 hours north of Moscow by train, a place where political prisoners were sent to the gulag in Soviet days. Today, it's a bone-chilling town of grey apartment blocks in relentless rows. When the COVID pandemic first hit Russia, it was concentrated in Moscow. Now, the virus is sweeping even remote regions like this one that have nothing like the resources of Russia's capital. At Kotlas Hospital, local television recently filmed patients lying in the corridors, some of them even on benches. A nurse tells the reporter that the wards are rammed full. Another says she's caring for a hundred patients alone. And I've only got two hands, she says. When I found the chief doctor there a week later, he couldn't talk to us officially. But he did describe the situation as tough, though manageable. He's had to cancel all planned operations, and the hospital is dealing almost entirely with COVID cases now. Outside, a paramedic told me he's working non-stop. Then his team in protective clothing wheeled a man on a stretcher through the door. Another ambulance has just arrived uh, with medics in full PPE, so presumably more COVID patients on board. And in fact, there's a lot of activity here at this hospital. A senior official recently said that uh, there were very few beds left here. They're operating under extreme pressure. And the number of COVID patients, new cases in this region, is still rising. 
Scientists have reached a major milestone in their mission to catalogue the full genetic code of more than 300 species of birds. The project reveals the instructions that underpin some of the most remarkable aspects of the life of birds, their sounds, colours, beauty and their behaviour. The BBC's Victoria Gill has more. From elaborate songs and flashy courtship displays to hyper-acute vision, all the characteristics unique to a bird species are written into its genome, the set of code that essentially provides the instructions to make a living thing. This project, involving scientists from Europe, the US and China, has set out to sequence and catalogue that code for each diverse branch of the bird family tree. The 363 species now fully sequenced includes everything from the extremely rare Henderson's crake that lives on just one Pacific island to the humble chicken. How their skeleton has evolved, how colours are produced in their feathers. These are things that Darwin wrote about and was intrigued by. Dr Michael Braun is from the Smithsonian Institution. He explained that even the chicken genome was a mine of useful information for understanding how the most extreme avian characteristics came about, including how giant flightless birds like ostriches and emus evolved. The development of uh, legs and, in the case of birds, wings, uh, that's been studied in, the, uh, in chickens and it's really a model system within developmental biology. Along with flightlessness, as you might imagine, there are a great deal of changes in the limb anatomy. Their flight feathers become useless, their wings get short, and their legs get longer, and they lose toes. The digits on the foot get reduced because they're running instead of perching. Conservation researchers say this could be a goldmine of useful information, with more than 60 of the most threatened bird species on Earth now decoded. This could help in efforts to understand their declines and to protect them and their songs for the future. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Our hands often touch public items covered with viruses and bacteria. When we touch our eyes, nose or mouth, the pathogens can enter the body. Health is in our hands. To prevent infection, follow the seven hand cleaning steps. Rub hands for 20 seconds. Rinse thoroughly. Dry with a clean cloth or paper towel. If you can't wash your hands and they aren't visibly soiled, use an alcohol-based hand rub. What if our hands get dirty again? Clean them properly. Live across Hong Kong. This is Radio 3. January to December We'll have moments to remember Remember Yes, this is it. The time is now. The time for... Nostalgia with Ray Codero all the way until 1 a.m.